Today, we remember and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. On Friday, he died, but then on Sunday, he arose. And the gift of Easter is a promise that I have to give to you, and I'm asking you to take it to heart. Jesus walks beside you. At every step you take, he is right there with you, and he will not leave you ever. Even though it sometimes feels like he's far away, he never is. Because he's alive, and he loves you so much that he will never leave you. On the first Easter morning, many disciples did not believe the news that Jesus was alive. Even when some of the women from their group returned from the graveyard where his body had been laid, with the story that he wasn't there anymore, they couldn't believe it. It seemed to them too good to be true, so they reasoned, it's not true. Jesus was gone, and as far as they could see, he had failed. Now, Luke tells the story of two of them walking away from Jerusalem mid-afternoon on Sunday, and it's a story that's going to show us the promise that we're all invited to accept. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to the 24th chapter of Luke and find your way to verse 13. We'll take our time through the narrative. Here's how it begins. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Two disciples walking away from the greatest disappointment they had ever lived through. I wonder if you've had any disappointments in this year behind you that you've been walking away from. Jesus had been their teacher and their friend. Over the years they spent with him, he'd become their master and their Lord. A week before this story, they had arrived together with him into Jerusalem with thousands of other religious pilgrims, and the crowds greeted Jesus as if he was a hero. It looked like all that they had hoped for was finally going to come true. And then, on Thursday at the Passover meal, Jesus brought up the inevitability of his death again. They didn't want to believe it. But then, that evening, they watched him as he was arrested. They saw with their own eyes as Judas turned him over. They were there watching at a distance as he was tried before the high priest. They saw Pilate bring Jesus before the crowds, offering to release him, and they heard the mob chanting, crucify him. They watched the soldiers abuse and mock him. They saw all of the people gather for the spectacle of his crucifixion. And then they saw Jesus nailed to the cross between two criminals. They were there when he spoke his last words, and they saw him die. Saturday was a terrible day of waiting. And then Sunday, mid-afternoon, two of them decide to leave Jerusalem behind and go to Emmaus. 
as far as they can see, all of their hopes were disappointed. And now they're walking together and talking about it. I wonder if you've had any walks like this in the year behind you, where you're walking away from disappointment. You'd hoped to spend more time with the grandchildren, but you haven't seen them in person all year. You'd hoped that this was the year when that career risk you took would finally pay off, but now it all fell apart. You were looking forward to deeper friendships, but now they're moving across the country. You'd thought that the relationship would be healed by now, but it's gotten worse. You hoped for meaningful work to do, but you're still idle. You had hoped for a great year at school, but every day it's you and your laptop at the kitchen table. You'd hoped for joy as you spent this last season together, but now she's gone. The higher the hopes, the harder the fall. And for these two disciples in this story, they had never aimed at anything higher than putting their hopes in Jesus. And now as far as they can see, Jesus is gone. And so this is the hardest walk they've ever had to take. Watch what happens. This is verse 15. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. The message of Easter is that Jesus is alive And whatever disappointment you are walking away from, he walks with you. Even when you're disappointed because you believe that he has failed you, Jesus will never leave you. He's been with you all year, and he will continue walking with you no matter what. If you try to run away from him, he will follow you like the good shepherd who goes after the lost sheep. If you sink down into the depths of the earth, he will be there to lead you. If you flee to the other side of the world, his hand will not stop holding you. Jesus is with you, walking on the road, wherever you are on the journey. Some of you know it. And when you hear me say it now, even though it's been a hard season, you know that it's true and in your heart you rejoice. And then others have never felt this. You want to have faith. You'd love to feel that Jesus is near, but you just can't. It doesn't seem like it's true. But the promise of Easter is that he is with us and the gift of this story is that it teaches us not to trust our eyes when they tell us that Jesus is absent. Jesus is walking with these two, but watch this, verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Think about that for a moment. He's with them, And their eyes don't see him. Watch what happens, verse 17. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Jesus is with them. They are talking about him, to him, and they still don't know it's him. 
Apparently, even disciples who have spent years with Jesus sometimes have a hard time seeing him, even when they're standing face-to-face talking with him. Is this encouraging to you? Why can't they tell it's him? Now, there are a few things going on here. Grief is first. Grief messes with your perception. When you are really sad, you don't see clearly. The disciples on this walk can't see through their tears. And there's a lesson for us right here. We've all had a lot of grief in this year behind us, haven't we? And so we shouldn't be surprised if we're all having a hard time seeing clearly. Tears make it hard to see. That's first. There's more. There's also the matter of expectations. Often, we don't see what's right in front of us because we don't expect it. These two didn't think they would be seeing Jesus again because they saw him die, and as far as they understand, death is final. Expectations change perception too, and this is a second lesson for us. Listen now. If we don't expect to see Jesus with us when things are really hard, we shouldn't be surprised when we don't see him. We also shouldn't assume that's proof that he's not there because grief and expectations both make it hard for us to see what's really there. And then there's one more factor here, and this one really is the root of their blindness and ours too. And I am suggesting that all of us, no matter how much faith we have, occasionally are blind. And here it is. Perceiving Jesus' presence with us always requires eyes of faith, where faith is the decision to trust, to believe that Jesus will not fail. So when it looks to me like he has failed, I question my own assessment rather than questioning Jesus' achievements. That's what faith does. It believes more in Jesus' goodness than in how things seem to me personally. Here's where I want you to think of your own journey for a moment and the year behind you where you have found yourself facing disappointments and believing it must be that Jesus has failed. What if you decided that Jesus is with you and when it doesn't seem like it, you are going to question your perception instead of Jesus so that your eyes are ready for signs of his nearness that you would otherwise miss? You actually can make that choice. You should make that choice. The two disciples on the road trusted in their grief and in their expectations, so their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. They don't know who they're talking to, and you can see it in their answer to Jesus after he asks them what they're talking about. Look at verse 18. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? This is a bit of irony 
because Jesus is the only one in Jerusalem who really knows what has happened. Watch how Jesus responds. Verse 19, he asked them, what things? Sometimes the best way a teacher can enlighten his students is by making them explain themselves. They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Here, in their expression of hope, is where we get to the heart of their spiritual blindness. These two were hoping for the right thing, redemption. But they expected it to be achieved in the wrong way. So when it didn't turn out as they had envisioned, they stopped trusting Jesus and became blind. Let's take our time here. That phrase, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, holds the key. Redemption is the process of liberation in which one party intervenes to rescue another, bringing the freedom for that one who is held captive, which they are unable to bring to themselves. As far as the citizens of Jerusalem were concerned, and these disciples as well, for them, the oppressor had been the emperor. Under Roman authority, the people felt like prisoners. Travel and trade restrictions made it hard to work and be with family. The high taxes were infuriating. And then most importantly, their religious freedoms were hindered, making it hard to live under the authority of God. So they had hoped for redemption. And then Jesus arrives. Imagine this if you can. Each and every month, as he's growing in popularity, the hope that maybe he will lead an uprising against Rome is also growing, achieving redemption by the overthrow of this oppressive government. But then, on the weekend that Passover is celebrated, Jesus does not do what everyone had been hoping for. Instead of gathering power, he dies on the cross between two criminals. And as far as everyone could tell, this was a complete and utter failure. The disciples reasoned that they must have set their hopes too high, which means now on this road that they can't see what is true in the present, which is that they had actually set their hopes too low. They'd wanted Jesus to redeem Israel by overthrowing the government. Instead, Jesus provided for the redemption of all of creation by overthrowing the true enemy who is far stronger and far worse than any government. And that is the root of the problem that was all around them rather than the symptoms which shows up in every government in every age. Instead of dealing with that symptom, Jesus addressed the real oppressor from which... Every person and every culture and every system needs to be redeemed. And that is the enemy of sin. A change in government 
would have been a good thing then. And all of us know that all throughout human history, people have suffered because governments aren't what they ought to be. But the fact is, changing the government can never address our real imprisonment, ever. All the misery we observe in the world, every bit of it, is rooted deep down in the same problem. And it's not which people are in power. It is the power of sin, which is at work in all of us and in all people and in every system. When we are turned away from God, we are fundamentally imprisoned and we're not able to free ourselves. But Jesus came to redeem all people, to rescue and deliver every captive, not just some, but all of them. And he did that. What had happened on the center cross, which looked like a failure to the disciples, was actually God's victory over sin for everyone. But these two on that road are unable to see it because of their grief, because of their expectations, but most importantly, because they lack faith. Listen, please, this is the heart of it. Since it didn't happen as they had envisioned, they stopped trusting Jesus. Please try now, please try this, to look back on the year and recall those things which didn't happen as you had envisioned and ask yourself, in those moments, have I been tempted to stop trusting Jesus? Maybe right now, you're in the midst of a season where things are happening, you don't want them to. You wish it was different. I promise you that on this stretch of the journey, you're going to be tempted to believe that it must be that Jesus failed and he's not with me. That's not true. It's never true. He doesn't fail. He never will. And he will always be with you. And what you need is eyes that are opened to see it. That's what these two needed. Now, one of the many things that is so magnificent about Jesus is that he doesn't give up on disciples even when they give up on him and they're explaining to him why he failed. Do you see the irony of this journey? Can you imagine being Jesus and having them lecture you about how you failed and they can't tell it's you? What does Jesus do? He keeps walking with them and that's what he'll always do. As the journey continues, he gently offers his own assessment of their problem. He says it like this, your problem is a lack of faith. It was necessary that the Messiah should suffer and then enter into his glory. He tells them, your scriptures said this clearly. You, you, you've been in the synagogue during the Sabbath. You've heard these things right. You should know them. And then he goes back into the prophets, beginning with Moses, as they walk along, showing how the scriptures had said this is exactly what would take place. Jesus gives them a Bible study about Jesus, and they still don't recognize Jesus, but he keeps on walking with them, and that's exactly how he will be with each and every one of us. And then it's getting late, because this is a long walk. The sun is starting to set. When they arrive at Emmaus, the place where they'd been traveling to. But these two, 
They don't want their time with this unknown companion to end. And so watch what happens. This is in verse 28. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. When Jesus took the bread in his hands, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them, then their eyes were opened because it brought them back to the meal that they had celebrated with him on Thursday evening where they'd heard him say something that they'd never heard anyone say while celebrating a Passover meal. This bread is my body broken for you. This cup is my blood, the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. As God had freed the Hebrews from oppression in Egypt, Jesus had freed these disciples and everyone who will trust in him from the oppression of sin forever. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world as his body is broken and as his blood is poured out. That is what Jesus did on that center cross. He had accomplished redemption by laying down his life. By his wounds, we are healed. He was imprisoned so that we would be freed. He died so that we could live. And he arose again so that we would never have to walk one step without him there by our sides. On every road, we will always have Jesus as our companion. That is the promise of Easter. Now, I have three challenges that I would like every one of you to accept. First, open your heart to receive the gift of Jesus' redemption for you. Acknowledge your need for forgiveness and deliverance from the power of sin. Trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus for you. Give yourself to him and receive him in your heart as Lord, just like the two disciples in this narrative urged him strongly to come in and stay with them, he will come into your heart and he will dwell with you. And just like Jesus did in this story, he will enter and he will remain in your heart. Second, choose to trust him on every road that you walk. Believe in him. Enough to have the eyes 
of faith so that when your eyes tell you he's not there, you don't believe those eyes of yours, but instead you believe in him. When it looks like he's failed, trust your vision less and his promises more. Have faith. If you don't see him, keep looking for his presence. When you don't get what you'd hoped for, believe that what God has for you is even better. Choose to trust him. And then third, keep walking with other companions from Jerusalem to Emmaus. The road is going to be long. There are going to be stretches where it's really disappointing. Don't give up. Find a friend in faith to walk with. Grab a hold of a few companions and keep on walking. Friends, let's pray now that God will enable us to accept these challenges and trust in his presence with us. God, we thank you for the gift of Easter and the promise of the resurrection. We thank you that you are with us every step we take. This morning we ask that you would give each and every one of us the courage to come to you and acknowledge that we need you and that apart from you we will forever be imprisoned. And then God, as we open our hearts to you, help us know from the inside the truth of the liberation that you give to everyone who turns to you. Help us know that you are our faithful redeemer. And then, God, we ask for the eyes of faith to see everything we've been through, everything we're going through, and everything that we will have to walk through in the days ahead as people who trust and experience your presence there with us right by our sides. In those stretches when it seems that you're absent, help remind us that you never will be and that you always are there. And then give us eyes to see your presence in the broken bread and in the cup that is poured out, in the fact that you have chosen to suffer and die for this world that you have loved so that we ourselves are included in the gift of your salvation. And then finally, O God, we pray that each and every one of us would have friends in faith to walk with. Give all of us in this community, others to walk on this journey from Jerusalem behind us to Emmaus ahead of us with companions. And then help our church become the kind of community that opens its doors to more and more disciples so that together we're all able to keep walking and not give up. We love you for what you've been. We love you for who you are right now in our lives, and we love you for who you will be in these days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.